Amen. You may be seated. Lutheran pastor Harold, and I can't pronounce his last name, so I won't even try. Lutheran pastor Harold tells the following story. Let's call her Roberta. She was clearly near the end of her very long journey towards death's door. Roberta's cancer was of a particularly nasty variety. By now, Roberta's cancer had eaten its way into most of her vital organs. The scarf that concealed her balding head bore silent testimony to the radical regimen of chemotherapy her body had endured in a vain attempt to stave off death. She extended a weak hand and Wayne smiled to greet her pastor. Her skin was pasty and it was cold to the touch. Her breaths labored and shallow, exuding the sweetly sour smell of impending death. Though her eyes were losing their luster, she gladly and eagerly heard the word of God, clinging to every syllable. Would you like the Lord's Supper? I asked. Oh yes, she whispered. She whispered in her weak little voice. And we launched into that timeless ritual of all the faithful, Roberta and me. The meal that nourishes every saint throughout earthly pilgrimage all life long, it culminates in the marriage supper of the Lamb in His kingdom. So that dreary winter afternoon, from a makeshift bedside table set squarely in the valley of the shadow of death. Roberta received a foretaste of that eternal feast yet to come. On the night in which he was betrayed, I began. But then the logistical problem. How do you commune someone who can no longer lift their head? Gingerly slipping onto the edge of her bed. I gently wrapped one arm beneath her frail, bony shoulders. And I lifted her feather-light torso, cradling her like some skeletal baby. And with my other hand, I placed into her mouth the gifts that her Savior died to bring the bread of heaven here on earth the cup of salvation poured out take and eat the body of Christ is given for you take and drink his blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins and then Parting blessing. Depart in peace. And she did. 
Not right then, but not many days later. We gather to give thanks for all of our Lord's many mercies, to celebrate His grace, and then to commit Roberta's body to the ground. Earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection unto eternal life. Pastor Harold continued, But that day, there in Roberta's apartment, as I packed up my communion kit, my communion case, and as I bade farewell to some family members and friends that had been gathering, keeping vigil for her, one of them said, admiringly, you had death in your hands here today. I'm not sure how I responded then, but here's what I should have said. Maybe so. Maybe so. But I also had life in my hands to bring. And Pastor Lee would add, not only did he have life uh, in his hands to bring, as, as he would also say too, he had words of life to speak. Life in his hands and words of life on his lips and from his tongue. My dear Hart family, for a time I can't bring you life in my hands. I can't bring to you the sign and seal of God's covenant of grace that tells us He never leaves us or forsakes us. That reminds us of our Savior's death on the cross that gives us an opportunity to celebrate all of His glorious salvation that He has merited for us and to cause us to have that opportunity to commune in a mystical and mysterious way with one another as we pass bread and wine. I don't have, I don't have life in my hands, but I do have words of life on my tongue. I do have words of life to extend to you. I do bring you words of life. Words. Powerful, active, grace-filled words of life. They're not my words. As we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, a place where we would rather not find ourselves, my words are not what you need. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy who lives a few blocks away. I'm a guy with my own struggles with my own sins, with my own sorrows, with my own brokenness, with my own inadequacies, with my own frustrations. It's not my words you need. But as Pastor Harold reminded me, I am a steward of the mysteries of the living God, entrusted with not least words, entrusted with the words of life with the words of Almighty God. And so I bring us, I take us to those words yet again this week. Those divine words given through the Apostle Paul as Paul wrote to those grieving Christians so long ago in Thessalonica. Those words of life, of hope. Give your attention to them. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18. Words of life. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as those, as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, Encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. Now remember last time we began walking through this valley of the shadow of grief, of death. And we've been dealing with a text that's dealing with grief. And in this text, God, through the Apostle Paul, reveals the reality of grief. We don't deny it. He he also puts a restriction upon grief. We grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. He shows us beautiful responses to grief, his own. He was tender, he was merciful, he called them brothers, he's treating them pastorally. And he, he shows to us the beautiful response to grief that we should have. And it is in that beautiful response to grief that we should have, encouraging one another with these words, that we focus on these words. And in these words, we find what? The resolution, the glorious resolution, the ultimate resolution of all grief. These words. That's what Christians find. That's what sheep who hear the shepherd uh, find. As we look at this reality, as we look at the restriction, as we look at Paul's responses, as we look at what's required of us, we know that there is encouragement. There is hope. We know that. But brothers and sisters, those outside, those outside the sheepfold, they don't know. And in the face of death... And in the face of grief, in the face of both a worldwide pandemic and in the face of an economic calamity, for them, what hope is there? As I said at at the graveside this week, what hope is there? If this world and if this life is all that there is, there is no hope. And like Shakespeare's Macbeth, when Macbeth hears of his wife's suicide, we could, we could really just say, life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, 
signifying nothing. A tale told by an idiot. Full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Yet humans typically don't live that way, do they? Whether inside the sheepfold or outside the sheepfold, human beings don't live that way. We yearn for significance. We yearn for meaning. We yearn for hope. We hope for hope. But why? Could it be that there is hope? Could it be that all mankind, whether redeemed or not, knows in their heart that there truly is meaning, there truly is significance, there truly is hope? Could it be that there is actual hope and not just the mere wish projection uh, in our dark moments? Something real. Something tangible. Something true. What the Apostle Paul writes here in these words. For Christians, no matter, no matter what the world surrounding us says, for Christians, grief is never to be alone is always to be accompanied by hope. For the Christian knows that there's an answer to sin. There's an answer to Lee's sin. And that's in the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on my behalf on the cross. The Christian knows that there's an answer to death. And that is in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And the Christian knows that there is an answer to the grave. And that is in the resurrection, the ascension, and the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian knows there's an answer. The Christian knows that there's a hope, and that answer is in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where our perfect Savior offered up Himself as the perfect sacrifice for sin. Where He stood condemned on behalf of those who would place their trust in Him. Where, where He bore the penalty and died in the place of all those who by His grace would come unto Him, who would trust in Him. And He lived for them in order that they might have a record of perfect righteousness and obedience to be considered as their very own. And He took their record of sinfulness as His own and bore the penalty of that sin sinfulness on the cross that was due to them. As we sang earlier, behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me Life, I know that it is finished. The Christian knows that the answer is in the cross, and the Christian knows that the answer is in the empty tomb. For not only did he live and die for us, but he was buried for us, and on that third day he rose again for his people, so that they would not only be not condemned and declared righteous, but that they might have life, new life, spiritual life, eternal life, tasted even now, so that they might be justified through him and in him, so that they might enter into a loving relationship with the Almighty, 
the one that they had been at enmity with. Now, no longer enmity, but the Father is our Father. And we are the adopted sons and daughters of a gracious God. So that they might become the adopted children of God and so that they too might have the hope of a resurrection one glorious day. The resurrection Easter hymn puts it, Rise, O church, lift your voices. Christ has conquered death and hell. Sing as all the earth rejoices. Resurrection anthems swell. Come and worship. Come and worship. Come and worship Christ the risen King. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. That answers in the cross, that answers in the empty tomb, as we have seen last week and this week. And how can any pastor not go back to the cross and go back to the empty tomb? But there's more to the answer. There's more. The answer includes, is found in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ on one glorious day. And when He descends, as Paul tells us, He descends with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And when He does, the souls of believers who've already departed, who've already died, the souls of believers who are with Jesus, they will do what? They will be coming back with Him. Did you notice that in verse 14? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. And Jesus, with the souls of those saints, the church triumphant, He will descend. And what? Again, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command and with the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. And then what? The dead in Christ will rise first. The graves, just like the ones I stood among this week with the Tods. The graves, just like those out those doors. The graves of believers will open and the bodies of believers will rise as the harvest of which Jesus Christ was the first fruits and the bodies of believers will be brought to life. They will be perfected. They will be made glorious and beautiful and those bodies will be reunited with the souls that are with the Lord Jesus Christ as He descends in body and soul, they will be a part now of this glorious army. They will be a part of this new Jerusalem body and soul and they will be with their Lord forever. And dear ones, there's more. Notice, unlike those dear grieving Thessalonian Christians had thought, they would have to wait If they hadn't yet died, they would have to wait. And those who had died had actually, in a sense, gotten an advantage. They come back, their souls come back with Christ. Their bodies are raised first. And then those who are alive, what will happen to them? What will happen to those who are alive at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? When they see Him come, they will be changed, body and soul perfected, to be changed and perfected and glorified, to be a part of that new Jerusalem, to be a part of that heavenly Jerusalem coming down, to be a part of now that huge, humongous 
that, that we can't even number that army of the church victorious, marching down, following the lead of the great and returning king. Here's the imagery. The, the king has gone out of the city. He's been at war. He's won the war. And, and yet he hasn't gotten back yet. And as he comes with his troops, as he draws nearer and nearer to the city, the inhabitants know. They see. The, the gates of the walls are thrown open and everybody what? They, rushes out, they rush out to join the king and to join that great army. That's the imagery, brothers and sisters. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, rushing out to meet our victorious king. A word here now, dear ones, just briefly. This passage isn't teaching us that we're going to be snatched up out of this world before the resurrection of the dead, leaving everything behind until sometime later for then to have a final wonderful celebration. No, the celebration will be that day, this day, this glorious day. Christ will come. Christ will call His people. They will come out of the graves. They will be resurrected, reunited with their souls, and all the church will be gathered as Christ comes to reign as the great returning King of kings and Lord of lords. And our concluding hymn, We'll put it beautifully. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favored sinners slain. Thousand, thousand saints attending swell the triumph of his train. Get the, get the image. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God appears on earth to reign. There is an answer in the cross. There is an answer in the empty tomb. And there is an answer in the second coming. There is an answer. It is the answer. And the answer is Jesus. Jesus crucified. Jesus risen. And Jesus coming again. And so the question that I asked that small gathering at the graveside of Miss Barbara Todd this week, the question that I asked them is the question I ask you. Do you place your trust in Him? With Him there is forgiveness of sins. With Him there is a perfect righteousness to clothe you. With Him there is the declaration, not guilty. With Him there is the adoption into this royal family. There is the gift of the Holy Spirit to bless and to lead you in following the Savior the great shepherd of the sheep. There is now the spiritual ability to hear the great shepherd call your voice. There is the great shepherd who leads you through the valley of the shadow of death and a, a, a valley that includes pandemics. And, and a shepherd that leads you even to death and death now because of that great shepherd's work is changed into rest for your bodies and a gateway for your soul to enter into the very presence of Almighty God the Father. And there's more. The future and certain hope 
of your resurrection. Your resurrection and life eternal. That's what there is with Jesus. Without him, life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that shuts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. May each this day and all of our days place our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and turn to Him. In this great pause, dear ones, I have the words of life. I have the words of life on my lips and on my tongue. During this great pause, you have the words of life, of hope on your tongue. Will others hear from you? Will others hear you? Will you, will all your other words drown out the words of hope? Or will you keep your mouths closed that they never hear of hope? I have the words of life. You have the words of life. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back indeed. We have hope. Therefore, let us encourage one another with these words. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. The crucified one, the resurrected one, and the one who is coming again. Tune our hearts to long for his coming. Tune our hearts and our minds to that great and glorious scene that is to come when he shall lead the church triumphant towards earth and we shall be changed and we shall be with him forevermore as he reigns upon this earth. Until that day, by your Spirit, lead us that we may always hear the voice of the shepherd in whose name we pray. Amen.